Okay, well, let's, um, let's begin and let me open us with a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, bless us as we uh, desire to obtain an understanding of the sacraments uh, ordained by our Savior for our edification and growth in grace. And uh, um, may our learning prosper us and increase our affection for Him. In His name we pray, Amen. Uh, so we uh, essentially mentioned last time uh, quite uh, rapidly that uh, there are a number of churches, uh, particularly Roman Catholic, Orthodox, um, Anglican, Episcopal, that have seven sacraments. Uh, uh, almost always in Protestant churches, there are only two, and that's the Lord's Table and Baptism. Um, uh, so that is all we have here is the Lord's Table and in, in baptism. And I, I did mention last time that if you haven't been baptized, uh, you know, you should speak with me. But obviously, I accept the baptism of other churches. So if you have been baptized, it's not a sacrament that needs to be repeated. Uh, lots of Baptist, Southern Baptist churches, as you, uh, as you join a new church, you have to be baptized again. Uh, you know, we don't. Um, uh, to me, it's just, uh, and, I, and I'll explain, uh, uh, recently, or here in a minute, why, why I think that's the case. Uh, uh, but to me, it's a, it's a sacrament that's accomplished once. And, uh, Lord's table, of course, is, is, uh, uh, is, is repeated, um, uh, often. Um, uh, we also mentioned that in the Lord's uh, table, uh, there are, there are, uh, multiple views, as there is to everything. I mean, there's not a doctrinal position or practice in the church. It's not disputed by someone. So uh, we, we should expect that. Uh, Roman Catholics hold to uh, transubstantiation. Uh, Lutherans hold to consubstantiation. Uh, most modern, most uh, uh, Protestant churches uh, see the sacrament of the Lord's table as a memorial. Uh, we see it here at Grace Bible Church as partially a memorial, but I think more critically uh, in the Reformed tradition, uh, we see uh, that uh, in the Lord's table, uh, there is a spiritual presence of the Lord. Not His physical presence, obviously, but His spiritual presence. Uh, uh, so it, it becomes really, both of those sacraments in me uh, become an intensification of grace. Uh, so, um, uh, the significance of the Lord's table is in His spiritual presence, He, he blesses us in a special way uh, by faith. No other way, by faith. It's always by faith. Uh, Roman Catholic churches, you know, this is really critical, I think, in uh, sharing with people who are of those traditions that the church is conveying grace. Uh, we believe that Christ alone conveys grace. The church may be a means, but it's always by faith. I mean, faith has to be present uh, in salvation and our daily walk with the Savior. You know, so always, always by faith. Um, uh, the the uh, the sacraments are a sign, uh, but the key for us is what is signified uh, by the sign. Um, so we, we don't get wrapped up too much in the sign, but what it signifies. 
um, uh, what it signifies uh, uh, in in um, the Lord's table is that uh, all of the benefits of salvation and uh, all the benefits of the new covenant uh, are secured for us by Christ's atonement. And by faith, we revel in those benefits. Um, in baptism, uh, you know, we, we come into the church uh, and we acknowledge that publicly uh, in terms of our union with Him uh, what is signified is, of course, our, our, our death and resurrection with Christ and our union with Him. Uh, so let's read historically. Again, occasionally we repair to um, uh, the Reformed confessional statements just to mark, mark out our view as uh, having certainly... Uh, uh, historic validity. If you want to turn to page 876, um, uh, let's look at um, uh, the conveyance of the blessings and the sacraments in Question and answer 91. How do the sacraments become effectual means of salvation? The sacraments become effectual means of salvation not from any virtue in them or uh, in him that doth administer them, but only by the blessings of Christ and the workings of his Spirit in them that by faith receive them. So, uh, there's no... Uh, there's no conveyance of blessing by a priest or really by the church. The blessings are being conveyed by Christ, by faith. Okay, so uh, really, uh, really an essential point there. Uh, 92. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. Um, Ninety-three. What are the sacraments of the New Testament? Sacraments of the New Testament are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay, just two. Uh, Ninety-four. What is baptism? Baptism is the sacrament wherein the washing with water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit does signify and seal are engrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. Um, uh, let's skip down to the Lord's Supper in, in 96. What is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a sacrament whereby giving and receiving bread and wine according to Christ's appointment his death is shown forth, and the worthy receivers are not after a corporal and carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of his body and blood with all his benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. Okay. So notice again, sign signified uh, always, uh, always by grace. 97. 
What is required for the worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper? It is required of them that would worthily partake of the Lord's Supper that they examine themselves of their knowledge to discern the Lord's body, of their faith to feed upon Him, of their repentance, love, and, and new obedience, lest coming unworthily they eat and drink judgment to themselves. Okay? Uh, most of the theology of that comes out of um, uh, uh, Paul's first epistle to the Corinthian church where some of them were uh, uh, partaking of the, of the sacrament of the Lord's table unworthily. Um, um, they were some of the people uh, oftentimes in the New Testament, and this is practiced some today. I don't think it's mandated. It's okay to practice it, but I don't think it's mandated. Sometimes there was a meal uh, and then, and then the partaking of the of the Lord's table, and uh, some of the Corinthians were, imagine imagine this, hogging all the food, you know, uh, and some of them were, you know, were getting drunk, uh, and then partaking of the Lord's table, um, uh, and and so Paul says, and for this reason, some of you. Uh, uh, are asleep or have died. Okay, so God disciplines. We don't, you know, we don't we don't take of these things willy nilly. I mean, they're they're you know. So Paul says, examine yourself to make sure you understand uh, what the Lord's table is. Uh, and I oftentimes, uh, depending on time, uh, oftentimes I will say, uh, if you are living in some sin for which you are unrepentant, you really should not partake of the sacrament. Uh, because it's worthless to you. I mean, you need to uh, confess your sin and repent. Um, and uh, 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 because God, because God disciplines His, you know, His His children, and um, you know, the Corinthian church. Some of them had died, and some of them were, you know, were sick. Just a just a reminder. Um, you know, it is, it is serious and there should be a time of self-examination. That's why almost always there is a time for uh, uh, the people in the church to reflect upon uh, their lives quickly. Um, uh, we open our service with uh, a time of confession. Um, um, and certainly there's, you know, time to perhaps reflect upon uh, what's happened since you partook uh, of the Lord's table the last time you know you did, and uh, just to just to make sure, um, I just remind you that um, none of us come perfectly. Okay, uh, there are some churches, uh, Wesleyan Methodist churches, Nazarene churches that hold that you you reach a state of perfection. Uh, I've never really. Understood that it's kind of contrary to human nature. We're all a bunch of stinking rotten sinners, and we need God's grace every day. Is kind of my view, uh, but uh, but um, um, uh, there should be a time of you know reflection, um, um, and uh, we need to be careful not to you know beat ourselves up. Uh, sometimes people you know feel profound guilt and. 
Yeah, but again, I think the key things are confession and repentance. Uh, uh, you know, but sometimes people feel guilty. But uh, but my rejoinder to myself is is uh, I'm not confessing my sin for God to forgive me. I'm just agreeing with Him that I have sinned because He forgave me all of my sins on the cross. Okay. Uh, not everyone believes that particular statement. Uh, the reason I believe it is because if there's sins, if there's some sin in my life for which I haven't confessed, then I'm in I'm in eternal peril. Uh, and I don't know what the future holds. I don't. You know, who knows what you know the future's going to hold? Uh, so I I believe we are forgiven when we come to faith of all of our sins. Uh, and yet we are to confess them, to acknowledge that we agree with God, that we have wronged Him, uh, and we thank Him for forgiveness. Now that's me. Sometimes, uh, pe- you know, people, you know, think we're coming to uh, uh, to confess to get forgiveness. But I believe forgiveness is a majestic, uh, one-time event of God's grace. Uh, but nonetheless, we should keep very short accounts with God. And uh, and we should confess and repent um, uh, as we you know sin or uh, you know sometimes uh, you know, we fall into sin and uh, we just have to confess and repent and go on. Uh, but that's why I think it's important to just every day remind yourself of your need for grace to preserve and to keep you from sin, um, and obviously His Spirit. So. Uh, so nonetheless, um, um, we uh, uh, we uh, we partake of these sacraments uh, because Christ has instituted them. Yeah, the um, uh, here again. There's uh, you know appreciate you bringing that up, Jessica. So um, there are a number, uh, perhaps uh, more often than not, there are a number of Reformed churches that see uh, baptism uh, as bringing the infant under the protection of the covenant community. Uh, uh, it's not salvific, you know. And again, in Roman Catholic. Catholicism, uh, uh, the infant is washed, uh, you know, washed of its sins, you know, the guilt of Adam's sin. So there's an actual event occurring. Um, and so uh, they, uh, 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 they baptize infants uh, uh, just simply as an acknowledgement of bringing uh, the child under the protection of the covenant community. No, no, no. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be baptized again. Um, um, I hold kind of a, a, a little bit different position. Uh, I hold to believer baptism. Uh, but I also believe, and this is something to me which is very, very significant, and, 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 and it should not be lost upon any of us. Uh, um, um, the infants or children, uh, even before they've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, uh, 
of church members uh, are members of the church. Uh, and they come under the protection, the covenantal protection of the church, which is profoundly important, I think. Uh, uh, they're not saved, but the church is a safe place. And we also pray that it's a place where they will, where they will learn to trust Christ. Okay. Um, um, last Friday, uh, we had a, as you may or may not know, we have a sur- we had a service uh, for uh, uh, a uh, preborn infant of of uh, Aaron and Chelsea, and um, uh, because uh, there's not necessarily a text that anybody can go to, whether they be Baptist or Presbyterian, uh, but it's the theology I think is important because. Aaron and Chelsea are Christian and church members. That protection uh, uh, encompasses that child uh, and the soul of that child uh, upon its death, upon her death, uh, uh, was translated to heaven. Um, uh, Again, uh, not really a, a biblical reference to that, but I think it's the, it's the theology of the of the covenantal blessings uh, that you and I are governed uh, by uh, the eternal covenant of grace, and that begins to affect our our children, um, whether it be uh, you know stillborn or you know uh, they you know die die in infancy. Uh, it includes their protection. Uh, I read uh, um, from Exodus in the book of Acts, uh, Acts 2, and I believe Exodus 19, uh, where in the institution of the Passover, uh, Moses said, you know, this is a, a covenantal sign that you're to partake of, so he institutes the Passover meal. He says, and it's for you and your children. Okay. In Acts 2, in the outpouring of the Spirit, uh, Peter says, uh, the Spirit has come upon us and it's for you and your children. Okay. Um, now, obviously, as the child grows to the point where it can understand faith and and who Christ is and what he did, they need to receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, but I, I'm just conveying to you uh, my understanding of the covenantal blessings. We live under covenants. Okay? Uh, there are many, many churches that, uh, uh, certainly in the Oklahoma area, but not just Oklahoma area, uh, that live under dispensations. Uh, to me, we live under, under covenants. There's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I'm not mindful. There's an Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, you know, if that in that case, it's a dispensation. Uh, uh, but uh, but the key to understanding that is is uh, 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 covenants. Um, uh, and the New Covenant was prophesied in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, and especially Ezekiel. Uh, where God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to make you clean. 
And I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to take away your stony hearts and give you hearts of flesh. Well, Christ institutes that. Uh, so that's, that's my point that you and I, uh, are beneficiaries of what I call the eternal covenant of redemption. Uh, and, and, and that is just to me the incredible majesty of God's grace in eternity past. Okay? Uh, he, he, uh, establishes that covenant, uh, and then in time sends his son to make it happen. And then sends his spirit to apply it. All by grace. Sovereign grace. Um, So, uh, in, in the case of our, uh, service on Friday, um, uh, because of that covenant, uh, she, she was a partaker of the blessings of Christ. Uh, totally based on what? The accomplishments of Christ. Because she didn't have any accomplishments. And what was true of that infant who died in the womb of his mother is true of us as adults. We wouldn't have any accomplishments either. None of us are going to stand before Christ and say, well, I was a pretty good guy. Paid my taxes on time. I didn't cheat very much. We wouldn't have any accomplishments. The only reason we're Christians is the accomplishments from beginning to end of Christ and His sovereign grace. Lots of confusion in the hearts of Christians over that matter. They think, well, I gotta be a pretty good, well, yeah, you gotta be a good person, but he, he's gonna make you good. I mean, that's the new covenant of, of, of Ezekiel 36 and 37. I will forgive your sins. I will take away your stony heart. I will put my spirit in you. The accomplishments are all God's. Okay? I mean, that's, that's incredible. And that's why we should revel in His grace. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I, I hope I answered your question. Forgive, forgive me for the long <laughs> dwelling on it, but, uh, um, so, so notwithstanding that, let's turn to Romans 6. No, let's turn to Acts. Let's turn to Acts 2. Uh, Acts 2 and verse 42. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I think the breaking of bread there encompasses uh, the sacrament of the Lord's table. Uh, because he commands the apostles when he institutes it to, you know, to do, to partake uh, of the sacrament. So it was, it was continually practiced. Uh, notice, notice what I, I just want to reinforce this. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay. I mean, that's, that's what we're to do as Christians. Not just individually, but also in the life of the church, the apostles' teaching. So Christ comes and he affects our salvation and he has all the teaching. He gives it to the apostles. 
the apostles give it to the first century church and there to transmit it to successive generations. I think, by and large, the evangelical church is fumbling that in very, very sad, sad ways. We have no warrant whatsoever to change or to deviate from the apostles' teachings that they received from Christ. Um, because that, that's definitive of what a church is. You know, uh, we don't just believe something about Christ and something about grace and something about forgiveness. We believe in grace and forgiveness and who God is because that's what Christ taught us. And he passes the ball. Uh, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul, Paul turns to Timothy. Okay, so let's say Paul is the first generation. Timothy is the second generation. Paul says, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these teach the faithful men who will teach others also. That's the transmission. Okay? So why are we unique? Grace Bible Church, because uh, we hold to covenants, because we hold to the sovereign grace of God, because we want to be faithful to that. Uh, and, and, and we learn that from the Scriptures. Okay. So, uh, um, let's turn now to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 6. So Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from all sin. Okay. So, so, so in baptism, there is an identification of the communicant with the death and resurrection of Christ. Uh, um, now, what is signified by that? that their old nature, their sin nature, uh, was imputed to Christ and it was killed upon the cross, buried. And in Christ's resurrection, uh, we've been resurrected to a new life uh, with the ability now, uh, not total ability, but with the ability um, uh, to walk in the newness of life because we're no longer slaves of sin. So, so Christ in His death and resurrection broke the dominion of sin over uh, His people. Uh, prior to that, sin owned them lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, the world, the devil, and the flesh owned them. They, they were slaves of sin. Um, um, 
they sinned because that's that was their nature. Uh, um, but Christ gives us a new nature uh, by His Spirit. So He breaks that dominion, and in that new nature, we now have ability to walk in the newness of life. Uh, and it doesn't become perfect uh, until uh, Christ in His second coming comes and uh, uh, glorifies uh, all of His all of His people. Uh, so, so again, keep in mind when we die, our soul goes to heaven. Body goes to the grave. When Christ comes again, we come with, with those who are. His or in heaven come with him, uh, uh, and and they enter glorified bodies. So if you think about that, our our salvation uh, is in two phases: the first spiritual, we become new people; the second physical, we become as he is glorified. So that's what Paul is saying here. We're identifying. So when a person comes to faith. Uh, it, and, and, and is baptized. They are identified uh, uh, and they're telling the church that this is what has happened to me. Because again, just keep in mind, it's not just the sign. It's what is signified. Okay, Sign signified. By faith. Always by faith. Um, and I don't have a problem with infant baptism, obviously of Christian parents. Uh, as long as they don't understand it to be uh, baptismal regeneration, uh, that they see it as my child is coming, come under the uh, protection of the church, um, and it's a reminder at that point for the church and the parents to pray for that child that someday, in God's grace, it would come to faith. Um, and if it doesn't come to faith, that, that baptism becomes a sign of judgment. It's just like when the Corinthians are abusing the Lord's table. They, they are a discipline. Cause some of them to lose their life and some of them to get sick. Okay? Um, when you... When you... I, I don't know a better way to say this, but when you mess with God's grace... You're going to get your hands burned. I mean, you're because it's just that's why we need to be humble and careful. Uh, um, again, we none of us come perfect. That doesn't happen except for the Wesleyan Arminian, you know, the Nazarenes, and so on and so forth. I, I don't buy into that theology, uh, but we should come carefully and examine ourselves carefully. Uh, so there's kind of a special. Uh, now, the sacraments are specially instituted by Christ to signify the majesty of God in saving His people. And, and we shouldn't deal with it willy-nilly. Okay. Oh, so, um, um, places a special emphasis on the church and parents to, to, to bring, that, bring that child to faith and to remind that child you know, live according to your baptism. Uh, remind all of, all of us. Uh, uh, because sin is a massive contradiction of the grace of God. Uh, 
Uh, and, and, and again, thankfully, uh, you know, our God's a forgiving God. I mean, that's, it, it, you know, if, if it wasn't for that, none of us would ever <laughs> make it to heaven. The majesty of His forgiveness conveyed by Christ and His Spirit. So, um, uh, Paul references something of this in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God who has delivered Himself up for me. Well, I mean, you and I know Paul was not crucified with Christ. Uh, but he was spiritually. Okay. Uh, so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're again placing emphasis on um, identification uh, and, and faith. Kosei, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.16. This is my uh, favorite verse on spiritual presence. Um, so, uh, I'm just going to read the text. Is not the cup of blessing, uh, the cup of the new covenant, sacrament of the Lord's table, which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? The word sharing is where I understand there to be spiritual presence. Uh, the Greek word is koinonia, oftentimes translated as fellowship, so that as we are Taking of the sacraments by faith, uh, we are communing with Christ, not in His visible or physical presence after Roman Catholicism, but His spiritual presence by the Holy Spirit. Uh, does that does that make sense? Okay. A sharing the blood, blood of Christ is not the bread which we break. A sharing in the body of Christ. We are fellowshipping with Christ. Okay. And, and, and that sharing should be in it, uh, uh, should be something of an intense form for us individually as we come to fellowship with Christ by His Spirit. Okay. Now, intense form, that's kind of, uh, kind of subjective. So I'm just going to give you an example. Um, I believe in my own personal life, as I'm sure many of you do, uh, believe in celebrating certain key events that have special significance to you. And sometimes that sharing takes an intensified form. Uh, I mean, let's, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Uh, uh, but, uh, when the anniversary of my wedding comes around, I don't take Barbara to McDonald's. Okay, I mean I could, I could say, "Come on, Barbara, suck it up." It's it's a, you know, um, um, let's just go have a. I was going to say Whataburger, but that's the wrong chain. <laughs> so so, mostly, generally, usually, always, we go to a special place. 
Why? Because the anniversary is a special thing. Now, marriage to me is not a sacrament. It is in Anglican and Roman Catholic and Orthodox churches. But nonetheless, it's a pretty important event. So husbands, take note. <laughs> um, and, and just, you know, you know, you, you know, you can say birthdays, you know, um, whatever it is, but that's my point of intensity. Okay. So, so there is a sharing. We, we are fellowshipping with Christ by His Spirit. And that's something we shouldn't take lightly. And that's why there's a, Oftentimes it's referred to as fencing the table. You're, you're, you're reminding people of Paul's warnings. And so let's turn to chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. Uh, I'm just going to read uh, verses 23 to 27. Some of this is a rehearsal of things I've shared earlier. Uh, uh, so Paul, Paul is an apostle. He received things from the Lord. So beginning in verse 20, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Notice the transmission there. Not just teaching, but also the sacrament. Uh, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which we was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So it's partially a memorial. I, I agree with partial memorial, but I also believe in uh, spiritual presence. Verse 25. In the same way, the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge uh, the body, the sacrament, if you will, rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number asleep. Uh, you know, euphemism have died. So, because they're abusing the table, uh, God has disciplined them. Uh, so, just just a reminder that, you know, we don't come willy-nilly and uh, you know, we examine it for what it is. Uh, Galatians 3, um, 7 to 9. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith that are sons of Abraham. So faith becomes critical. That's what marks out that we're the sons of God. Uh, and by the way, we are united uh, with uh, to the... Uh, we come under the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant that has a greater fulfillment in the new covenant. We are the sons of Abraham. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, there's a lot of Christians today that place a great deal of emphasis on uh, uh, the nation of Israel. Um, um, I certainly want God to bless them. I know he's going to save many Jews, uh, uh, but he saves them in Christ. Uh, 
But the spiritual reality is we are the sons of Abraham. We're the true sons of Abraham. Some Jew living in Israel that's never come to faith in Christ is not a true son of Abraham. We are. Okay? How? By faith. It's always by faith. Okay? Um, so look at, let's look at uh, verses 27-29. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, but you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Okay? We're the true sons of Abraham, not, not some ethnic Jew. Um, so... Okay, so any any questions? Uh, covered covered some important ground here. Um, next week, if you look at Roman numeral eight, I'm going to talk about uh, eschatology. Uh, um, and uh, just you know, tell you my position. You don't have to agree with it, but at least you know what I believe. Um, so, okay, well, uh, no, uh, no real assignments. Um, we we will pick up a reading of another book when we come to ecclesiology, and I'll just simply give to you copies of the book. Um, that uh, you can read through and uh, we can, you know, then when we're finished going through the book, you, you can return them to me. We'll just use them over and over and again. Uh, it's, a, it's a worthy read, but I don't know it's necessarily worth the expense unless you want to order it and buy it yourself. Uh, and that obviously is your prerogative. Um, so that's kind, of the, that's kind of the azimuth of where we're going. Uh, uh, we're going to spend a little more time on the doctrine of the church uh, and the practices of the church. So, okay, well, let's let's close uh, close in a word of prayer. Uh, uh, our heavenly Father, uh, we're thankful for Thy grace. Uh, we're thankful that we are a covenantal people. We are by faith the sons of Abraham and heirs of all of the promises given to Him. Uh, including eternal life. And uh, we're thankful for our inheritance. And we're thankful for our Savior. Uh, uh, we're thankful for uh, the Lamb provided by God. And this morning as we partake of the sacrament of the, of, uh, of the Lord's table, perhaps uh, in a very special way, we can uh, know that by faith we are fellowshipping with the Spirit of our Savior. And as such, Lord, bless us, feed us, and nourish us uh, that we might uh, live uh, for thy kingdom's sake. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.